Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, I have to admit, I was wrong. Netflix reported earnings, and they actually did pretty well yesterday. I was expecting Netflix to do really, really bad when they reported their earnings, but I will admit, like I've always said in this podcast, that I'm wrong when I'm wrong, and that's actually something we'll be talking about later today on this podcast is Netflix's earnings because, well, they said some things in their analysis call that should be pointed out a little bit, where Netflix is trying to get Wall Street to start focusing a little bit more on, okay? Articles we'll be talking about today. First off, we'll be talking about Amazon. Jeff Bezos is speaking out. Apparently, according to him, the economy is going to get worse, according to him, okay? Uh, Hyundai has some news as well. Hyundai is feeling the pinch from Joe Biden's new EV tax credit rules and what that could mean for the EV maker in the future going forward for Hyundai. Hyundai. Then obviously, like I said, we're going to talk about Netflix. We got a lot to talk about when it comes to Netflix. Then we're going to talk about the oil industry a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Nord Stream, what's happening there. And Joe Biden made some new made an announcement that was kind of tucked away a little bit. I don't know if it's been fully reported. At least it might not have been at the recording of this podcast, but it's still something to talk about. And it has to do with the, the reserves here in the United States. So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. You need to talk to your professional advisor as they can give you better financial advice. And I legally cannot give you any financial advice. I'm not a professional advisor, so I cannot give it to you. This whole podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Jeff Bezos is, is the latest to warn on the economy, saying it's time to batten down the hatches. Amazon's founder Jeff Bezos has become the latest corporate leader to warn that the state of the economy, cautioning that rougher times are likely ahead. In a tweeted post Tuesday evening, the former president and CEO of online retail giant echoed comments that Goldman Sachs chief executive David Solomon made on CNBC earlier in the day. Yep, the probabilities in the economy tell you that to batten down the hatches, Bezos said in a comment attached a clip of Solomon in the interview. Solomon, the head of the Wall Street financial giant, said it's time for both corporate leaders and investors to understand the risk building up and to prepare accordingly. Solomon spoke after his firm had just posted quarterly earnings results that beat Wall Street's estimates, yet he said a recession could be looming as the economy deals with persistently high inflation and the Federal Reserve trying to lower prices through a series of aggressive interest rates increases. Quote, I think that you have to expect that there's more volatility on the horizon, Solomon said. Continuing on with the quote, now that doesn't mean for sure that we have a really difficult economy scenario, but on the distribution of outcomes, there's a good chance that we have a recession in the United States. Fed officials have been warning about a recession as possible as a result of the monetary policy tightening, though they hope to avoid a downturn. Policymakers in September estimated that the gross domestic product would grow just 0.2% in 2022 and rebound in 2023, but to only 1.2% GDP contracted in both the first and second quarter this year's, meeting a commonly held decision, uh, definitive of a recession. 
There are mixed signals lately from corporate leaders. J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon has been warning of troubles ahead, saying recently the situation is very, very serious and that the U.S. could be slipping into a recession in the next six months. However, Bank of America CEO Brian told CNBC on Monday that credit card data and relative information show that the consumer spendings has held up. Okay. It's funny that Jeff Bezos now speaking out about this. He didn't speak out about this at the time when Amazon was making record profits during COVID, if I'm not mistaken. But then again, I I can't give him too much of a hard time on that because Target and Walmart and a lot of retail in general is making a lot of money during the COVID lockdowns. But it's funny now how he's coming out saying, "Uh uh-oh, it's coming. But he didn't say it at the time when things weren't happening I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that there was someone who was calling this before it even happened. Could be wrong, but I think before President Trump left office, he was telling the American people that we would face a very, very bad recession. He tried opening the economy during COVID lockdown. I remember that too. I I can, I do remember that in particular, because I remember him saying like, people need to get back to work. And now this is the end result of it. Now they're saying there's a recession coming. It's going to get interesting to see who gets affected by it the most. I mean, right now, if I still believe it's already here. I've already been mentioning it for a while. You have record high gases at times, and we'll get into that further later down in this podcast today when we talk about gas prices. But it, it's funny how they're coming out now saying a recession's coming, but they didn't mention anything about it. It's like when the times were rolling and things were good, why not think about the bad times? Don't need to think about it sickening Jeff Bezos. But maybe you're also saying it too, just so that you don't get as much heat if a recession does come. Hmm? Maybe trying to cover your tracks so you don't look like the bad guy when it's all said and done, since you are one of the richest people in the world right now. So, I mean, I still believe Jamie Dimon's the smartest person in Wall Street by far. And Jamie Dimon's been saying it for months and now Jeff Bezos saying it. Something's changed his tune. So, On to the next article. Hyundai says Biden's new EV tax credit rules deal astronomical blow to business. From CNBC Detroit. The Biden administration elimination of tax credits for imported electric vehicles deals a massive blow to the Hyundai Motors business. An executive for automakers said Wednesday. Jose... um, Munez, global president of chief operating officer, declined to disclose a specific financial impact associated with the requirement of the Inflation Reduction Act, but described it as a huge impact to the automaker's bottom line. Hyundai and others are lobbying for some of those requirements to be reversed. Quote, it is very, very astronomical if nothing happens, if nothing changes. The impact is huge, Munez said Wednesday during a Rudder's automotive conference. Quote, that's why we're taking actions through all the channels. Hyundai and another non-domestic automakers have been vocal opponents of the new electric vehicles tax credit regulations under the Inflation Reduction Act. The law passed by Congress in August immediately eliminated a tax credit of up to $7,500 for plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles that are imported and sold in the U.S. Hyundai, including Kia, has quickly become the second best-selling automaker of EVs in the U.S., representing 8.1% of the market through the third quarter, according to Motor Intelligence Data. It trials only well-established leader Tesla, which continues to command roughly 67% of new EVs sold. Critics of the Inflation Reduction Act have argued for a phase-in period before the tax credits would be fully eliminated, as well as additional time to meet stricter sourcing requirements for the raw materials used in batteries and EV manufacturing. 
Automakers have relied on the credits to assist in lowering the prices of the vehicles for consumers as costs of lithium and and cobalt needed for the batteries have soared. The federal government has used EV tax credits as a tool to promote the adoption of electric vehicles and lower the U.S. automotive industry reliance on fossil fuels. Electric vehicles are currently far pricier than their gasoline counterparts due to the expensive batteries needed to power the vehicles. Thank you, CNBC, for admitting it here in this article that electric vehicles are more expensive. You know, if something's really going to work in the end, in the market, why does there have to be a tax credit incentive to make it happen? I don't get that one bit. And you should question it as well, okay? I mean, lithium batteries, there's not that many places we can, dr- uh, not drill, I'm thinking oil when I'm saying drill, but there's not that many places that you can actually like dig up the lithium batteries and to get the cobalt as well and be able to make the batteries, okay? There are places in South America that have like these huge, huge supply down there, but we can't mine them, okay? We're not mining them here in the States last I checked, I know China is, and I believe China has one of the biggest ones as well, but it's just like, why do we have to put a tax credit on it? If it was truly a demand for electric vehicles, then shouldn't the, shouldn't the market determine that? Shouldn't there be an incentive to find a way to make it cheaper? Oh wait, there isn't because government's being involved. Yeah. That's never a good thing right there says here, the federal government has used the EV tax credit as a tool to promote the adoption of electric vehicles. We already spoke about that correction. Uh, this is what I want to read. Supporters of the new rules say that they will wean the auto industry of its reliance on foreign countries, especially China, and encourage domestic production of electric vehicle and batteries, a goal of the Biden administration. So that means we got to start digging here in our own, within our own country. Does that mean those giant machines that are drilling holes into the earth? Those are mostly gas-powered vehicles, if I'm not mistaken. So... We're using gas-powered vehicles to help make electric vehicles. <laughs> that's that's funny. Think about that for a minute, okay? Last thing we'll read, Munoz believes Hyundai should be given an exception from the elimination because its commitment to the U.S. market, which includes $5.5 billion investment in Georgia for electric vehicles and batteries, the operations are expected to come online in 2025. Yeah, this South Korean country is going to face a fun time. Well, not country, South Korean company is going to face a fun time soon. And we'll keep an eye out for it because there probably will be more news about this in the future. But yeah, it seems like anything a politician touch goes to crap currently right now. So on to the next article about Netflix. And like I said, I was wrong about Netflix and I'm willing to admit it on this podcast. So Netflix adds more than 2.4 million subscribers, reveals details about password sharing crackdown. Netflix shares skyrocketed more than 14% after the bell Tuesday, as the company posted better than expected results on the top and bottom lines. The streamer also reported an additional of 2.41 million net global subscribers, more than doubling the ads the company had projected a quarter ago. Additionally, additionally, Netflix will begin to crack down on password sharing next year, opting to allow people who have been borrowing accounts to create their own. The company will also allow people sharing their accounts to create a sub accounts to pay for friends and family to use theirs. Here are the results. Earning per shares, $3.10 versus $2.13 per share according to Refinitiv. Revenue was $7.93 billion versus $7.837 billion according to Refinitiv survey. 
expect, expected global paid net subscribers addition of 2.41 million subscribers versus an additional of 1.09 million subscribers, according to street account estimates. The majority of Netflix net subscriber growth during the quarter came from the Asia Pacific region and accounted for 1.43 million subscribers. Wow, that is a lot from one area. Now, this is where things get interesting. The U.S.-Canada region had the smallest growth of Netflix regions, contributing just 100,000 net subscribers. Quote, we're still not growing as fast as we'd like, said Spencer Newman, chief financial, financial officer, said during the company's earnings call. Quote, we are building momentum. We are pleased with our progress, but we know we still have a lot of work to do. Sorry, next quarter, Netflix will no longer provide guidance for its paid membership, but will continue to report those numbers during its quarterly earnings release. Now, we're going to get into that in a second, but... 1.43 million subscribers came from the Asia Pacific region. Okay. You know, we've been reading a lot about how inflation is affecting, it's impacting countries. And we're reading articles from CNBC claiming, at least here in the States, that people would cut their grocery bills over their Netflix entertainment purposes, or not purposes, Netflix entertainment. Makes me wonder if these same people in the Asia Pacific area would do the same thing. I think food is more valuable overseas. And if inflation's rising, I don't see these people continuing to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay for my Netflix subscription. No, they're going to go for food. I still personally believe Netflix is in a lot of hot water in the future. I believe this is maybe a one-time growth area, maybe potentially. Could be wrong. But Netflix might have a solution to be able to grow. Netflix messages to shareholders focus on revenue and profit and not subscribers ad. Oh, now they're doing that. It's kind of like how Facebook a few years back had to change their business model when reporting earnings saying, oh, we're going to go from active uh, daily users to our growth or something like that. So they started focusing on the number of hours people were on the social media network instead of how many people were subscribing to it. Netflix has a message for investors. Start focusing on revenue and profit and stop obsessing about subscriber growth. Netflix made an agreement with several pointed comments in its quarterly shareholder letter. The world's largest streamer said it will stop forecasting paid subscriber ads. The company's rationale behind the change is to get investors focused on revenue instead of customer growth. Quote, we are increasingly focused on revenue as our primary top line metric, Netflix wrote as a reported third quarter earnings. Tuesday. This will come particularly important heading into the 2023 as we develop new revenue streams like advertising and paid sharing, where membership is just one component of our revenue growth. Okay. Netflix will continue to provide guidance for revenue, operating income, operating margin, and net income, traditional metrics of profitability, and will be still report subscriber ads each quarter. It won't just forecast what's to come. Parts of the change is motivated by the increasingly wide array of revenue per user, as given subscribers could be paying $6.99 per month for Netflix, new advertising tier, which debuts in the U.S. on November 3rd, or $19.99 per month for Netflix Premium, no, a, a non-ad service. You know, this is where Netflix probably will face a lot of growth for a bit, is the if they can prove that their revenues are increasing because people will have to choose between buying a non-ad platform at 20 bucks a month or they can go for the 6.99 ad uh 6.99 streaming service with ads in it so people will get to choose i expect people to jump back and forth potentially on this which might cause growth in revenue but at the same time maybe it doesn't cause growth in revenue 
Hard to tell. But the ads will give Netflix more money. I have to give them credit for that. If they do have this ad tier in the making, businesses want to advertise. So therefore, they're going to want to be able to get their ads out there. So this could be good for Netflix in the end. But Wall Street is going to keep obsessing probably about subscriber growth in the future. They're always obsessed. In fact, yesterday, even before the conference call, just listening to some of the guys on the news networks of CNBC, they were like, they they were focusing. They're like, oh, we expect subscriber growth to be great. And then it pops 14% based off subscriber growth as well from their earnings after they reported earnings after the bell. So give it a quarter or two. Netflix was probably still going to be, they're still going to be focusing on subscriber growth. They might not report it as much. So that's going to cause potentially the stock to get a little rocky, but maybe if they force Netflix or not Netflix, maybe if they force wall street's hand by saying like, we're not reporting it as much anymore, that'll change everything. I can, I can't guarantee, but there probably will be a really smart person on wall street who will do the math and figure out like, well, if this is their revenue, and we're going to say this is much for ads. There's a potential that this is their subscriber growth. Just food for thought. Okay. Now let's talk about the oil and gas sector. Okay. You know, have you noticed recently that they're not talking about Nord Stream 1 or Nord Stream 2 as much anymore in the news? I was a little suspicious of that too. And then I found this to be able to talk about in today's podcast. Powerful explosions triggered major gas leak on Russian pipelines. Danish police say a primarily... a preliminary investigation into gas leaks into two underwater pipelines connecting Russia to Germany found powerful explosions caused the damage Copenhagen police said Tuesday. The findings appear to be similar to a crime scene investigation carried out by Sweden National Security Service earlier this month, which reinforced suspicions of gross sabotage. A flurry of detonations on Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines on September 26 sent gas spewing to the surface of the Baltic Sea. The explosions triggered four gas leaks at four locations and in Denmark's exclusive economic zone and in two of Sweden's exclusive economic zone. Danish police said a joint group, including the Norwegian Police Intelligence Service, would uh, would be set up to handle further investigation of the incidents. Quote, it's still too early to say anything about the framework under which the international cooperation with EG Sweden and Germany will run. And it depends on several actors, including which authorities handle the case in the various countries. The statement said Tuesday, Danish police said it was not possible to say when the investigation was likely to be completed. Many in Europe suspect the Nord Stream gas leaks were the result of an attack, particularly as it occurred during a bitter energy standoff between European Union and Russia. The Kremlin has repeatedly dismissed claims it destroyed the pipelines, calling such allegations stupid and absurd and claiming that it was the U.S. that had the most to gain from the gas leaks. The White House has denied any involvement in the suspected attack. You know, I don't know who's going to get blamed in the end, okay? I really don't. But remember, President Trump once said that Europe was relying too much on Russian oil. They laughed at him. They did. Okay, they're like, oh, he's crazy. I think that if I think there's like a panel view where it shows President Trump saying that, and then they showed the Germans, and the Germans were being all like smug about it. Like they're just like, oh, we're not relying on Russia for too much oil. It's totally fine. They laughed at him. Now Nord Stream 1 and 2 are being destroyed. And they keep claiming that Russia destroyed it. I don't get how a country, and I'll I'll keep saying this on this podcast. 43% of Russia's exports, and I've talked about this in a past podcast. of Russia's exports are oil and gas-related products and services. Why would a country like Russia sabotage its own pipes? Now, unless they're willing to have an excuse to invade another country, 
that's reasonable. What are they going to invade Sweden and and the and uh, Denmark? No, honestly, it doesn't make sense. Okay, I'm not placing blame on anyone right now because the full report hasn't come out. Now, whether or not we get the full report is another story. Remember, there were gas leaks in Russia's pipeline, if I'm not mistaken, before this happened. And I believe they were doing maintenance. We even talked about it, I believe, in past podcasts about the maintenance that was being done on those pipes, or at least they were trying to do them. It's hard to believe, okay? I don't know who's to blame right now, but whoever does get blamed, the the community is going to be... I mean, if it's obviously Russia, there's going to be a huge uproar. If it's not Russia, don't expect the news to be talking about it as much anymore. Expect it to slip under the rug and no one's going to remember it. Okay. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast, if there is a news report that comes out that just happens to slip under the rug, you'll be able to go look into it and be able to actually come to the conclusion of what's actually happening. But there's one more important thing to be able to talk about since we are talking about the gas markets and it's going to affect your pump at your, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you pump up at the gas next time to fill up your car, it will affect you. Okay. But the politics sides of CNBC, this bit of news came out last night. Okay. At 4 51 PM Eastern daytime. Okay. After the markets were closed, people were at home. This news came out. Biden to announce release of up to 15 million barrels of oil from Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Okay. From Washington, CNBC, President Joe Biden will announce an additional release of crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve on Wednesday in the range of 10 million to 15 million barrel sources familiar with the plan, told CNBC. The move aims to extend the SPR delivery program, which began in the spring through December, the source said. The European Union embargo on Russian oil is scheduled to go into effect on December 5th, and the White House released it's intended to offset some of the expected volatility in the oil market stemming from the impl- implementation of the U.S. Uh, correction of the EU embargo. So far this year, the White House has released about 165 million barrels of crude from the SPR out of the total that it would be around 180 million. The announcement of additional 10 million to 15 million barrels on Wednesday would represent the cumulation of its current release. The White House and Energy Department did not respond to requests to comment. Why? Okay. This is a very, very simple reason why he's releasing this. He failed with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, he begged Saudi Arabia to help not make production cuts by one more month until after the midterm elections here in the United States. He begged those people. He begged the, those criminals and oil cartel people. Okay. They've even said it on CNBC. It's the oil cartel. Okay. He's trying to lower gas prices before the midterm election. There is a high, high probability. And I've mentioned this before. I firmly believe the market is f- believing that there's going to be a switch, whether it's in the house or the Senate currently right now. Okay. Because the market's been up and down. The market's currently down right now as of the recording of this podcast. Okay. Things might be different by the time you listen to this podcast, but I believe Wall Street's believing there's going to be a flip somewhere in Washington, okay? Joe Biden right now is desperate to potentially have his political faction win in a way by releasing more of our oil reserves. You know, I looked into our oil reserves to figure out how much we can hold there, okay? Did you know that our oil reserves can hold the hold about 714 million barrels? 
714 million barrels. That's about five years we could survive if we had to rely on our own oil and gas here in the country. We could survive five years if there was no imports coming in. Now, granted, if we could drill in our own lands, that could be a different story. We could probably last a very, very long time. Remember, President Joe Biden did cancel a lot of pipelines and he also is not allowing a lot of drilling. Listen to those past podcasts if you want to remember those, okay? Here's the other thing that's crazy. If you Google how much is left right now, okay? Google is claiming there are about 400 million barrels remaining in the strategic reserves right now, okay? Now we're releasing another 10 to 15 million. Now we're under 400 million in the making potentially. Potentially. These numbers might be give or take based off what has been really been released, okay? It's insane. If you listen to the interview when they announced this announcement from Joe Biden making this uh, decision to do this, the guy on CNBC literally said, he's like, this is going to cause more harm than good. These are Band-Aid issues right now for an oil market right now. They are. Your gas prices will go down for the short term. In the long term, they're probably going to continue to go up. And do not be surprised if President Joe Biden keeps having to tap into those reserves. Remember, he sent some reserves to China. We talked about that in past podcasts. Please go listen to them. It's sickening. It's absolutely sickening that we're having to tap into our own reserves. These reserves are meant for war. They were created, I believe, during World War II. I'd have to look into it a little bit more to check myself on those. But I believe they were made during World War II to be able to survive a war. Okay, If you believe the United States is with war with Russia right now, which some people are claiming we are, because even though we're not fighting it, we are sending a lot of supplies to Ukraine. That means we need this oil. We need this oil in case things get bad. Not when we're trying to potentially sway voters for an election. And the, the guy on CNBC is right. Oil markets, like he, he even admitted it. He admitted it on TV. He said, and, I'm, and this is not financial advice. This is what this, this person on the, tel- on the television, the, the, the channel for CNBC had mentioned. He said, buy energy equities right now because it's going to just, this is all Band-Aid issues. And it's not going to solve anything in the long term, which means he firmly believes oil is still the play to get into if you want to make money in investing. This isn't financial advice, okay? I've been saying this for a very, very long time. I remember during COVID, I remember thinking oil is going to be the next big thing. And I've been right so far. I have been. I mean, it, it, it just made logical sense at the time. And it just keeps pre- being proved more and more again. So Joe Biden's going to keep doing what he can, but it's going to keep causing more and more chaos in the oil markets. I'll leave it there. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we'll be able to keep talking about news and events that are happening on Wall Street that the news isn't always willing to be able to talk about. Please also share with friends or family. They might enjoy it as well and we can keep spreading the word and grow this channel. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you. And goodbye.